Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, your diet, caffeine-free, citrus-free soda addict. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty esoteric. Today, our heroes are heading into Highlock, which is inspired by the works of Troy Christensen in The Thieves' Challenge from the 90s. Per the usual, longtime fans will recognize some elements but not others, because this has been heavily modified to fit my campaign and the needs of my podcast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes added a fourth member to our party, the recently departed soul of Sadie, in the form of Boulain's new raven familiar. She peers at the raven and says, Sadie? It caused it you. Our heroes hatch a plan to exercise this spiritual lich remains of amaranth strain and the dead god Vecna, lord of secrets taken to the grave. The light of the Radiant One will shine upon this mausoleum and burn away any sins that were committed here in the past. My lady, I need to beseech you to bring your power to this space and remove the one who is not welcome here. You seem to feed on strong emotions, on on anger and on, on rage. And those are not bad emotions to have, but they're bad to let fester. And you've clearly been festering like this for a long time. With that, we head to our next adventure. You have a couple days in the inn to yourself. The trade caravan is late. The town pretty much spends three days kind of cleaning up. Can I summarize one thing Boulain does? Sure. But she is going to do something while Zerus is still asleep. And she'll do it with Creedon if Creedon wants to come along. But she would go to Nicole Thinius, the mayor. She is going to enter in the official town record what went down 80 years ago that we've since learned and what happened just now and how we've resolved it. And she's not going to leave out. The name Vecna, she's going to talk all about that because she promised <laughs> to not let the world forget him. So this is how she's going to honor that. I have a different way that we can honor that that may make us some money. Do you remember that weird news guy? We're totally doing that too. <laughs> if we're entering it into the public record here, it's no longer a scoop that we can cash in on. We can come back and do that, but we should... Tell him first. She, she, she's she's kind of she's kind of leaving it in the town record, which nobody's going to read. And then we're going to go do a news story. <laughs> I no. think this is like before the internet. People are possibly bored enough to read the town record. Most of the people in this town can't even read. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. All I'm saying is that if we don't get our payday because of this, I'll be upset. Because I'm your dungeon master, and apparently I get to have an opinion. I don't. <laughs> No, it never don't. comes through, human. but, you know. <laughs> You're God. If we continue on our path, the next time you'll probably run into Samu, you have done a lot of shit, and you'll have a better opinion of how things are going in the province, <laughs> and you can make an informed decision <laughs> about how much you're going to tell the man. Okay. I'm just, like, looking over Boulain's shoulder, copying down just everything that she writes, and stealing her homework, basically. <laughs> <laughs> to, to return to <laughs> Samu later, because I don't trust myself to remember all of the events accurately, but Boulain seems to be on top of it, so I'm yeah. going to copy your notes. Are you sending the rod back with a page, or are you carrying it with you in order to eventually deliver it personally? Yeah, I say we send a letter saying, mission accomplished, see you with the rod later. Our scene opens with you folks packed up and ready to head to Highlock. Palmville has mostly recovered after three days of gathering, dismembering, and reburying the dead. It's gruesome work, but it seems to get done. Periodically, you will see Bella, always accompanied by two to six young shirtless men, <laughs> helping. Uh, but generally, the townsfolk sort of leave you alone. As you're preparing to leave, the caravan that was supposed to be here three days ago rolls in. They seem fine, a little perturbed, running late, but they roll in and basically fill the inn to the brim for the day you are leaving. Would you like to do anything before you hit the road? I would ask one of them what delayed them. Probably Chastity talking their ear off the whole time, complaining about the state of things. It's my guess. You you kind of flag down a, a merchant, you imagine, who says, oh, yeah, um... 
Mayor Val Rictus was worried that we would get assaulted by an armed force, and so held the caravan back in Sternheim for three days while uh, the sharp edge of the pub did their whatever it is they did. But apparently they resolved it and we were able to travel. Good for them. <laughs> did the situation with the centaurs get resolved? Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. They were they were threatening the village, and then they weren't. So, seemed resolved for the time being. Hmm. A halfling will sort of enter the inn, really just as you're leaving, and he will flag you with his hand and just excuse me. Um, are you are you the Dirk Arbiters? Dirk, it's the Dark Arbiters. Oh man, this is a terrible spelling error. <laughs> We are the Dark Arbiters. Oh, oh, good. I, I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, a page of, uh, an underling of uh, Sir Sir Grimble Tanglebeard. Anyway, I was down in Highlock, and I heard that there was some kerfluffle up here, so I came, came running. Sorry, it took me a little bit to get here. My name is uh, Thorn Pickerin. Cute. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Thorn. I'm Zerus. Yes, Zerus. Excellent. You're exactly the man I want to speak to. Pulls open a pack and sort of shuffles out these different parchments. And he says, all right, I have here in my pack all of the jobs that no adventurers, uh, mercenaries, uh, have succeeded in. Uh, which is to say, they're really dangerous and incredibly deadly. But no one's expecting anyone to do them. Which means all proceeds gained are yours to keep. Should you complete them? Well, we have one more mission in Highlock before we can pursue anything else. Good, because one of these is from Highlock. Huh. He reaches in and he pulls out a piece of paper. Destroy the Great Hydra of the Dam. This thing has killed three different mercenary groups. Hmm. But if you can take it out, oh man, any treasure you find will be yours to keep. Any glory will go to you and not the church, if that's what you're into. I only ask that, uh, because I keep track of all the things uh, that no one has completed, uh, I will give you this writ which allows you to, you know, uh, approach the dam and fight the hydra or whatever you choose to do. And in exchange, any treasure you find, if you could just send Thorn Picker in, just a little, uh, you know, a little something. A couple coins is all I need. Wait, isn't it? literally your job to bring these here i didn't think tipping was a normal thing for this kind of interaction oh, oh, oh no 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 so this is extra see <laughs> these the northern kingdom and the church have written these off as undoable jobs uh, they won't send anyone to do them but i will send anyone who wants to do them still to do them but i will warn you they're incredibly dangerous hmm. Sounds like a terrible idea. Oh, it is a terrible idea, but I think you're up for it. Have you seen Sharp Edge of the Pub recently? Uh, no. Unfortunately, I came from Highlock, and last I heard, they were dealing with a centaur problem further north. Yes. they. But I'm on my way to them. Definitely be interested. Do you have copies of these writs, I assume, then? Well, I don't keep copies of the writs. If you choose one, I'm giving you the only writ I have. But let me tell you what your choices are, and you know, if you want to take one or two, that's fine. And if you don't make it, I'll have to have a new writ made. So, he sort of flips through his papers. Sternheim, 80 years ago, lost something to the tune of an entire shipment of gold. They were attacked by raiders or something, and the gold went missing, and somebody thinks it was carried into the thorns. If you can find the gold in Sternheim, I happen to have a little bit of a map little extra piece of information that recently became available. A way to get into the thorn line. Not very far, but maybe far enough to give you a chance to investigate. Of course, Sharp Edge of the Pub is very close to this. I could just give this to them. Now, um... Point of order, this is a separate job from the Hydra job, correct? Oh, yes, okay. yes. Yeah, no, the Hydra job is in Highlock. Well, north of Highlock, by just a little bit. There's a big natural dam that is made by all of the thorns that are broken loose and are caught in the river, and the terrible, horrifying mutations of creatures are there, one of which is known as the Hydra. It's really quite dangerous. Let's see, what else do we have here? Ah, yes, the mystery of Archmason's immortality, our sage Mason's immortality. I have a bit of information here that most people don't have. A drawing of the, let's say, original 
Archsage Mason doesn't look anything like today's version. Fascinating. Hmm? Also, far to the south, there is a dragon in the swamp that controls a tribe of lizard men, and if you can wipe that off the face of the earth, I'm sure it has a horde. And lastly, if you decide to go pirating, or anti-pirating, as the case may be, Pirate Queen Hazel Buccaneer Ashes happens to be out in the reefs, and I happen to have a map of the reefs. Now that sounds like a cool job. Also, what was that about the drawing? Well, this is just an old drawing of a mason nobility from... There was another job that Tanglebeard had surrounding the Archmason's apprentice going missing. You are saying that you have jobs that are quite dangerous. I have jobs that no one has ever succeeded at. Hmm. And have attempted multiple times. I think that typically can be synonymous with danger. (laughs) Several of them quite are. Yes, the Hydra, I believe, literally killed several groups of people. Anyway, I'm being 100% transparent here. My goal is not to <laughs> not to send you to your death, uh, but just to let you know of the opportunities in the frontier. Would the pirate job involve going to Turtle Bay? Oh, yes. Okay. You'd have to get a boat somehow. Mm. And then you'd have to go north up the coast. Mm. I've always wanted to see a coast. I've never seen the sea. I'm interested... In that one. Lillian looks uneasy about that, and she says, I do not think it is wise for me to return to Turtle Bay yet. Does North Bank have boats as well? Like, is it, is, I assume North Bank is a port town also? North Bank is not a port town. It's a lake town. Oh. However, the lake has dried up. So the name is sort of a poor indicator of what's actually going on in North Bank. The coast is unfriendly. You could probably find a very small boat near the coast, but you probably have to do some rock climbing and you land Ugh. in a fishing hut. Mm. Now, Boulain, when you say you can't go back to Turtle Bay yet, are we talking like like human time of like maybe a few months, or are we talking like elf time of like, I'll be 50 before it's time for you to return to Turtle Bay? Like, what are we talking about she, she here? She smiles and she says, I am speaking of a few months. Okay. Well, I suspect Sharp Edge of the Pub will want a chance at some of these, but I think the Dark Arbiters are the only ones who are going to be near the Swamp and the Dam. So, why don't I give you this writ of entry to the Dam, just in case you want to fight a Hydra? Could be fun. Sure, I guess. What's the... Oh, the Swamp is the same same one, is that what you're saying? Well, the swamp is further south, but it's between High Lock and Turtle Bay, and you'll be near that. I certainly think that a dragon is beyond our, our reach at the moment. However, I think I think we can at least investigate the Hydra. Here is your writ. And the, can I see the the swamp one? Can I, I, I want to read the details. He hands you a, a really sparse poster and there is a little rolled up map so you know the swamp is like really poorly charted and really difficult to travel through for many reasons not the least of which is the lizard man tribe and the the dragon but there's a there's a reasonably well detailed map of the swamp and then the poster is just like a really crude drawing of a dragon in black chalk wanted dragon (laughs) (laughs) I, I open the map up on a on a on a nearby table, and then is there like an axe or something that shows you where the dragon is, or an indicator of where you might be headed in the swamp? On There's this map? something written that says here there be dragons. <laughs> There's an indicator of where the tribe declares its territory. Like there's a border drawn around the swamp where the lizard folk sort of live and occupy. And the assumption is the dragon is probably at the center of that territory. While I'm looking at it, I'm going to try to. With my fingernail, scratch a fist in the middle of where their where their territory is, mm-hmm. and then that that's it. I just want to like an impression, of the faintest impression of a fist there. Ah, classic map marker. <laughs> <laughs> and then no, nah, I don't. I don't think we should take this. He rolls it up and says, "If you need me, I am headed back up to Tuscan to." Work my boring office job, but if I hear of anybody else with notable accomplishments in the region, I will rush over and offer them the opportunity. I'm guessing he's noted in the... Thorn Pickering is in the 
NPC's, in the NPC's Excel list. sheet okay. that I have in Drive. Oh, okay. there's an Excel. There's no Excel. There's, there's a whole people. spreadsheet oh of NPCs. Nobody tells me anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have just written Thorn Pickering, little page boy with quests. Wait, is is this a child? No, he's a halfling. Oh, okay. I will correct that. He works for Tanglebeard. Okay, and then do we did or did not take the Pirate Queen one? Because I'm pretty interested in that one. We can always take the Pirate Queen one and look at it a few months later. This is true. I have some connections in Turtle Bay. I won't turn down the opportunity to have someone best the Pirate Queen. Personal beef? No, though she is the scourge of the Empire. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I can't wait to meet her. And there is a there's a chalk drawing of a middle-aged scarred woman's face and just a wanted and the little map of uh, the reefs that are kind of in northwest Fenrir. Hmm. Which is where pirates hide because the navy ships are usually too big to navigate around. So this would be quite a to do because Turtle Bay is like due south, so we'd have to get a boat and then go all the you way. You would up be the going coast. to the furthest south corner of the country to turn around and boat up the coast mm. to about even with North Bank, and then if you wanted to get to North Bank without going back to Turtle Bay, you would have to do some rock climbing. Mm. Oh, forgot about that part. <laughs> We might find our way back south again, so we can just pocket this one. Good luck to you both, the three of you. <laughs> Four, we have a raven now. <laughs> wait, wait, before you leave. Mm-hmm. I, I pull one of my shark teeth out of my hair and I write, I like fold it up in a piece of paper with a written note that says like, you'll need to up your game. And then I, I say, deliver this to the sharp edge of the pub. I'm extremely competitive with them. Oh, I'm sure I'll see them next. I'll, I'll give them five silver for delivering our message. And would you like an ale before we head out? Nope, nope. Can't drink on the job. I'm off uh, to the north to try to head back and, and uh, see how the sharp edge of the pub did. If they did anything as noteworthy as uh, stopping a zombie army, um, maybe I'll offer them some um, some opportunities. You should definitely look them, let them look over it. I, I'm sure they'll be interested. It's time for a quick Dungeon Master's note. The fist, closed fist, is the symbol of Brother Ambition, god of strength and war and personal ambition. Our heroes are attempting to goad the sharp edge of the pub, who is led by a cleric named Chastity, of Brother Ambition, into assaulting a dragon. I don't know how well that's going to go over, but uh, hey, now you understand what the heck was going on there. The caravan is going to leave in the morning if you would like to go with the caravan south. Otherwise, you have the option of leaving many, many hours in advance of the caravan. I would love to go with the caravan this time. But they're heading south into Turtle Bay, right? Well, they're going to go to Highlock, and then oh, they're going to oh, get on a boat oh, okay. and go down the river to Turtle Bay. Well, Boulain kind of weighs this and says, it sounds like they might be willing to pay us for our protection on their way. All right. We can play guards. And I feel like I'm less likely to get sat on by a rogue chicken. You are never going to let me live that down, are you? Never. <laughs> Never, ever. <laughs> I promise the next time we see a giant ostrich, I will shoot it first and ask questions later. <laughs> the caravan master basically says we pay five gold per town-to-town stretch per guard. So you will have a shift. You need to be awake for it. The caravan generally makes a lot of noise. And so we don't have to deal with a lot of things unless they're really goddamn big. So... Them's the rules. All right. Sounds good. Sounds very amenable. So the next day the caravan leaves. I need a D20 roll. This is not a survival roll because you the caravan takes away all of your choices. 14. The caravan is generally unmolested. There are some small encounters with beasts that crawl out. Generally nothing that holds any kind of threat. You know, someone gets bit by a snake. 
Uh, but it's not one of you. And you can succeed in getting all the way to Highlock. It's a two-day trip. The caravan does stop. It's not as fast as you guys were. So you arrive two days later in the town of Highlock. Highlock, unlike Palmville and Sternheim, is right on the goddamn edge of the thorns. So you can see them. They're right over there. They're like a 9 to 11 foot wall of vegetation that you know is poisonous to the mind and crap spills out of it all the time. The north part of Highlock is basically a big river that runs out of the thorns and then continues down into the swamp. In theory, there's a dam right around the edge of there somewhere. And then between the dam and the city, there's a wooden stockade, basically a massive barrier. And there are active paladins and militiamen at it at all times. So this place, on the north part of town at least, looks like a military base. Then the city becomes sort of a, a town, like any other, where you can find most shops and things. And then there's a lock, just a big, massive walled dam that controls water movement in the area. And almost all of the trade vessels basically hop on a boat at this lock. So there's a big dock system around here with boats. They take the river through the lock system, down this river to a second lock, through that, down the river to Turtle Bay. Where are you headed first? Well, we're here primarily for the labor dispute, so perhaps we should address that first. Yeah, at least figure out what's going on. Is there a contact on the writ? There is. It is Grimble Tanglebeard's cousin, mm. Chester Tanglebeard. This smells of corruption. <laughs> Let's head that direction. All right. You wander into town. There is a magnificent stone manor house right up next to the military barracks. And this thing is this thing is beautiful. Like it has this massive garden. It has these stone-walled fences that run around it. It's covered in sort of creeping ivy, and it's opulent. Like, the gate is really well cared for, and inside you can see a massive garden, topiaries and statues. This thing is kind of extreme. And at the front of the gate is a another dwarf, is sitting on a stool, looks up at you as you come up and says, uh, Can I help you folks? I'll just step up and show him the writ. He reads it and says, perfect. It's good that you're here. What's the name of your mercenary band? Dark Arbiters. My name is Paladin Captain Mav Lacarac, and uh, I am currently watching the front gate, but let me show you in. And he stands up and sort of pushes the gate to the side and says, follow me. He'll, he'll walk you down through this this really opulent garden. It's got like flowers you've never seen before from parts of the world you've clearly never been to. It's got statues from long before the Thorns issue and the Empire's presence in Fenrir. They look like lords and ladies of old fairy creatures. Nice place. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's the old Lord's Manor from the, uh, the days when the Frikers family was running Highlock. I remember the Frikers. Yeah, yeah, they were um, really into grape vineyards and things. Well, it seems like they've been maintained. We do what we can. Uh, anytime we're not fighting monsters, usually the the men put in a round of keeping the upkeep here. And he walks you up to the manor and sort of swings the door open, and you see a butler dressed to the the nines in a in a butler outfit, a, a human who sort of stands to attention and says, "Captain Mav, how may I assist you? Uh, these folks are here to see Chester." Yes, uh, we'll, I will take them to see the master of the house immediately. So the, the butler then walks you through this ridiculous place. There's this massive open foyer that's got like gold trim, tapestries from floor to ceiling that look incredibly expensive. They appear to be from many parts of the world. Walks you through this main lobby. There's this raised platform covered in these beautiful, intricate musical instruments. There's a giant statue of the historic King of Fenrir, this massive white granite marble bust with sort of glistening sapphire gems in the eyes. And he walks you into a study and says, if you'll wait here, I believe the master's in his office, I'll get him. Please have a seat. Thank you. The study is wall-to-wall -wall plush carpets, lacquered mahogany paneling. There are game 
trophies like mounted on the walls. So you see like big heads of bears and things. There's like a 10 foot dire bear in an attack pose in the corner. Of course. There's these sort of beautiful velvet seating arrangements. There's an ancient antique wooden desk covered in like little miniature creatures that are made of precious metals. It's super opulent. Opulent, not modest. There's no modesty. There's no modesty, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate the finer things, but like, this is a lot. Any obvious iconography for religious affiliation? Not in this room. Lule looks at the, the hunting trophies and says, I will never understand the need to display the things one kills. Yeah, it's an odd practice. The killing itself is the memory, I guess. I would agree. Chester walks in. Chester is a middle-aged dwarf, bears a a strong resemblance to Grimble Tanglebeard, your main contact. And Chester, on the other hand, is definitely built like a soldier. Like, he's, he's a burly man who's clearly working out every day. But what's interesting about him is he has his hair done in braids and his beard in a braids and like fancy little bows and he smells of really exotic perfumes and he's wearing a, a, a fancy robe as he walks in and says, so you've made it. Excellent. My uh, cousin, I was starting to get a little worried. <laughs> I was hoping my familial bond would get uh, get a group here quickly. And unfortunately, it's been a few more days than I thought. We're here. How can we be of service? Yes. My butler tells me you're the Dark Arbiters. Welcome. I have a bit of a problem, and I'm not sure exactly of the nature of the problem. So people pay the lock operators to open and close the lock, and the boats go up and down safely. It's been this way for a long time, since before I've even been here, and I've been here almost 100 years now. Over the last six weeks, every single trade caravan has been attacked while on the river in between the locks by bandits. They do this around an area called the Gullwing Rapids, which is a calm part of the river, but all the little tributaries are quite dangerous to navigate. So they seem to come off in canoes, hit the boats, and go back up the rapids, making them very hard to chase. Generally speaking... This gullwing bandit, as we call them, is uh, well-organized. Usually has sort of ten or so archers with them. This is a big problem because, well, the lock operators take care of banditry normally. And clearly they're not. Do you believe the operators are in cahoots with the bandits? Mm, I think they know a lot more than they're telling me. Mm. What I can tell you is that the operators inside Highlock which is one of the two major lock systems, are deeply invested in having this problem solved. So I don't think they're in cahoots. But there is a second group to the south that runs the southern lock. I haven't heard anything from them yet. This is a problem. It's bad for business. And when it's bad for business, the coin lords of Turtle Bay complain to me. This was, you know, billed as a labor dispute. I'm just, I'm curious why it earned that description. The lock fee that you pay to have the lock opened, historically guarantees you protection from banditry. Everyone pays the lock fee. And as a result, everyone is safe. So it's entirely possible that there is a labor dispute between the southern lock and the northern lock, and one of them is breaking the long-standing agreement. It's also possible there's a third group trying to get in on the racket. And the bandit strikes consistently? Every time. How long has this been going on for? Six weeks. Have you tried to send anyone in after the bandits? I have, yes. Can't send many people in because my unit here is designed to fight the monsters that come out of the thorns. I have sent a small unit of about six people in and they came back and couldn't find anything. Hmm. Are these bandits killing the people that are on the the boats, or are they just stealing their possessions? Generally, they're threatening them, and generally the merchants uh, and their guards hand over the goods, or some portion of the goods, and ride in to complain to me. However, there have been incidences of individuals putting up fights on these boats, and some people were hurt, and so far, as far as I can tell, one caravan guard was killed. 
although they buried him at sea, as it were, in the swamp. And how far away over land is the, is the area they're getting attacked? If you boat it, it's a day. But if you were to walk it, I suspect it would be about twice that. It's really swampy. Horses are not a good move. You might want to take a boat with you. It would take probably two or three days. So there really is no other alternate way to get down to where they're going. I mean, there's no better way. You could not close off the high lock and send them on another route so that these bandits would not be able to get to them. The other option to bring goods from Turtle Bay into the Empire of Astrogar is to boat them clear up the coast and send them in on little canoes and then sharpen them up a cliff and take them over a mountain pass. This is far and away the only viable trade route. Do you have the names of the people who would be heading the lock crews? I do. Yes, I work with them regularly. So there's two of them. They call themselves sort of the Badgers in the north and the Weasels in the south. The head of the Badgers is, her name is Mary Risky. Mary and her partner slash chief engineer, Kaima are basically the badgers in the north. And then if you can get down to the south lock, which is two days south of here, there's a little trade post, basically just the home of the lock engineers. You can find Mari Softtouch, who's a halfling. All right. Well, what is the best way for us to get to the locks? There's the main lock by the main docks. So if you just head to the south part of town, you'll find the first lock. And then, of course, the best way to get to the second one is to get on a boat. Anything we should know that we haven't asked about? There's a gentleman named Melbourne Gray Street. Melbourne is Kaima's uncle. He's an older man, nearly 70, and he is a priest of Divine Hammer. And he's sort of, I guess, the spiritual advisor to the lock operators. The Just the North Group or both? Both. Travels back and forth and coordinates between them. They're very much separate groups, and I do think Melbourne is more aligned with the Northern Badgers than he is the Southern Weasels. But uh, Because of his niece? Seems likely. Well, he lives in Highlock, too, which... I think, changes it. But he makes the trip, frankly, all the time. That's good to know. He'll at least have experience with this bandit. Yeah, I definitely think speaking to somebody that has been on this trip and and been accosted by these people is is definitely a good way to start to understand what their strategy is and what what kind of weapons they've got, or or are they just really scary looking? Do you know where Melbourne can normally be found? He has a little cottage next to the lock, so if you head down there, he's he's got a nice place. You can't miss him. All right. So all you want from us is to make it safe to travel the, the locks again, correct? I need the banditry stopped. Okay. But at our discretion for how? Yes. Do it however you wish. Use your full jurisdiction. You have my full support. Captain Mav, who you will bump into out at the gate, may have some additional information on his investigation, but I generally don't let him leave town, so his investigations will be very local. All right. I have a, a question for you. How did you how did you come to rule this town, and what happened to the, the previous family that built this magnificent place? This is the Friker's ancestral manor. When the thorns came up and swallowed the main capital of Fenrir, it sort of took with it all of the royal family's heads of state. They were lost to the the thorns. I was just fresh off a battle with some rogue tribes in the mountains up to the far northeast, and they offered me a uh, diplomatic position here, and I thought, well, surely this is my beginning of my rise to the top as a paladin of brother ambition. Well, I just like it here. so. A hundred years isn't so bad. Uh, You can roll me knowledge religion, those of you who are keen on that sort of thing. Twenty. Less than (laughs) twenty. But how much less, Robert? Lots, lots this time. I got a nine. I I scored a nine. Robert, you you accept this story. No, he's clearly living a wonderful life here. Boulain... there's a there's a problem with this tale. Okay. Brother Ambition does not look kindly on people who settle mm. or get stagnant. Okay. And to be in this man's position for a hundred years, 
you would be really surprised if Brother Ambition was giving this man spells anymore. Okay. She doesn't react to this story yet. And Chester says, well, I'll leave you to it. If you don't mind, I uh, have some business today in the office. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you solve this dilemma, I'll put you up for a weekend here in the manor. I've got a beautiful pool out back, the finest materials and some great food. I think you'll love it. It's sort of like a spa. That sounds wonderful. I appreciate the gesture, but I'd rather armor. Ar armor? Yeah. Um, Far more comfortable than a lavish bed to me. Oh, but I really want to touch with the, whatever the sheets are made out of. Billy <laughs> says, we can negotiate different rewards for each <laughs> of us. <laughs> That's fair. Fair point. Fair point. You solve this problem and I will negotiate a different reward for each of you. Some of you can stay in beds of the finest silks and bathe yourself in perfumes from exotic <laughs> lands and take long baths. And others can sleep on beds of nails. Whatever. <laughs> sleep in full plate armor. On, as on nails. God intended. <laughs> and I'm sure I can get the quartermaster to come up with something for you, Zerus. Hi, this is Mandy again, hijacking another mid-roll. Last episode, I talked about some basic rules I set for myself when coming up with a fantasy RPG character name. Consistency, honoring your nerdom, and keeping it sayable. Today, I'm going to go into some specific methods I have used or come across, varying in their simplicity and adherence to my three guidelines. The first time I ever named a fantasy character was when I was in fifth grade. A fellow aspiring writer friend tossed me a tip. Take an ordinary word that you like, and exchange one of the letters in that word for another. So, for example, take the word piano and replace the P with an S. You get Ciano, a word that doesn't exist but is still consistent with the sounds and sayabilities of English, and hey presto, a name. Another method I have come across that I deeply admired was Julie's approach to naming her character in the Fenrir campaign, as Julie honored her nerdom like a queen. She followed her love of puns along with her biology background, and based the name Silpha Lunari on the specific species of moth from which she drew her character's animal mutation and appearance. From there, she built the entire Insecti Lunari household, which also honored my guidelines surrounding consistency within the story. For naming my own character in the Fenrir campaign, I followed my love of sound and wordplay. The letter J is my favorite in the English alphabet, and I also have a love for the A-E vowel combination. Though admittedly, that is a visual taste, and not completely relevant to an out-loud RPG, much less a podcast. So I started by pulling up a list of female Hebrew names, as I knew Hebrew is a hotspot language to hit up both the letter J and the A-E combo. My eyes immediately landed on Yale, or Yael, spelled J-A-E-L. I did want to use the J sound because I preferred it to a Y sound, and I also was not sure at the time whether the original Hebrew name was said with a plain Y or the more guttural HY sound, which I had a hard time pronouncing. However, using the J left me with the word jail. So I added an AN on the end of it to round it out and keep my rogue out of prison. Jalen Evans was very sayable to the whole table, but also decently unique. <laughs> As for context and consistency, I would love to tell you that I was familiar with the story of Yale and Cicero when I yoinked the name, but the truth is, I ran across a reference to it in an unrelated book about a year later and proceeded to look it up then. I was delighted to discover I had rather serendipitously named my little assassin after an Old Testament badass lady who lured her father's enemy into a tent, drugged him, and drove a tent stake through his temple. Sometimes things just work out like that, y'all. For naming Boulain in the current campaign, I somewhat took a page out of Julie's book and sought for context. This character is a grave domain death cleric of the Silent Judge. The Silent Judge is the goddess of death whose symbol is a raven, and she is the child of the moon goddess. I zeroed in on death and moon and proceeded to look up the words for death and moon in different languages the world over. To wit, I ransacked Google Translate for everything it would give me. I did stay away from Latin-based languages, as they presented words that were a little too familiar for my tastes, variations on mortem and luna. I made a list of some 50-odd words that I both liked and could easily pronounce and repeat, then proceeded to play with combinations. Bulan is the Indonesian word for moon. 
I added an I in there because Mulan rhymes with Mulan, and I didn't want to make an unintentional association with the Chinese folk heroine. Kualema is the Finnish word for death, and I left that the hell alone because I thought it was just awesome as is. So Bulang Kualema means moon death across two different languages. As names go, it is a little long, but it rolled off my tongue fairly well when I said it and repeated it out loud. Also, her surname wasn't likely to come up terribly often, so I went with it. So there you have it, some different approaches I have used and also come across and the various ways they followed my self-set guidelines. In closing, I think the most important takeaway is to have fun naming your character. Coming up with a name is one of the first ways you will connect with this person to play them and bring them to life, and so it's the ideal time to let loose with your imagination. Don't rush it. Don't overthink it. Just have fun. Lulaine turns to Zerus and Creedon and says, should we seek out this Melbourne? I think that's an excellent place to start. Yeah, I agree. As you leave, kindly give me a history roll. Ooh, uh, 16. 15 for me on that. <laughs> that one. <laughs> Unsurprised. <laughs> There's a lot of glorious opulence here. It's beautiful. Bulane and Zerus, a, a thought starts to roll around in your head. All of these buildings that were left over from the last royal occurrence has been generally turned into a public cathedral or administrative building. This is Chester's house. This is very unethical, possibly against the law, depending on how you spin it. Would you would you go into detail on how this is against the law? Appropriated previous Fenrir nobility for himself to live in rather than turn this into a an, an admin building or something for the public. That's what you're saying, right? Chester has created for himself better private property than pretty much any church official would be allowed to have anywhere in the Empire. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that's in here is not all old. Some of it is new. Mm. So clearly he's taking in some impressive tax revenue and not putting it to public use. I, I may have gotten a one on my history roll, but I, I was going to scope out the condition of the of the average person in this town because it seems like this is rather more opulent than your standard, you know, town town head mm -hmm. tends to get to live in. It's it's a little it's a little bit strange and it's all been so maintained. I mean like they could have sold some of these assets to Build more facilities for the town. As we step outside, Boulaine is going to ask Sadie to do a flight circle around the property. And mm -hmm. she wants to know if if that dude stays inside. And you know, she basically wants to see the bird's eye view of this whole place. He doesn't. He goes directly out to the pool mm -hmm. and soaks himself. Mm -hmm seems to have a, a lovely time. The pool has a, a mosaic tiled floor and walls. There are tables of fancy perfumes and ointments and things. Everything else is not terribly visible from a bird's eye view, but the house is large. Mm -hmm. And looking through every window, it's like four-poster beds, silks. Mm -hmm. It's it's quite impressive. So Billion says quietly, I am smelling a rat. Is anyone else smelling a rat? Everything smells so good here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he 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 has an interesting, how to put this, dissonance of ambition, where his lifestyle seems ambitious and to be in line with everything, but something still seems off. Boulay will share her misgivings about brother ambition and the fact that this dude has settled down. And she says, I do not believe he is in keeping with brother ambition in spirit. And I am wondering what he is really doing here. It seems odd if he is involved with these bandits that he would be reporting to us about these bandits. But he has a lot of riches, some of them recently acquired, and every single trade caravan is being attacked on its way down to Turtle Bay. 
Maybe Melbourne can help us Maybe understand. Yes, I think we should go talk to this Melbourne. You folks head to the south part of town. Highlock is basically a, a fairly bustling place. Because people have to load and unload boats, they stay here for a couple of days. So it has a, a big series of inns. It has all of the amenities of a city, although it is still a town. And as you walk through it, you get to the docks. Docks are pretty extensive. It's basically a flooded portion of the river. But there's a lot of the river glowing vessels with different captains who are willing to sell you their services. And as you get around the side of the docks, which is you know sort of like wrapping around the lake, there's a massive lock system, sort of huge walls that open and close, massive gears, chains everywhere. It's complicated and impressive. And right next to the lock, there is, is the lock house and a big warehouse next to it that looks to be full of machine parts. And the lock house is pretty nice. It's like a little stone two-story house. It's got some nice elements to it. And then just across from it, there is a little shrine in front of a small cottage. And the shrine is to Divine Hammer, the god of innovation and engineering. Any nearby other establishments? Pubs, for example? or Oh yeah, there's definitely a pub here. They, they go all around the docks, small drinking establishments. How is the state of the rest of the town? Like, what kind of conditions are the people living in? And, like, how is the public pub and everything? <laughs> Trying to get a, a wealth gap feeling here. It's profitable to live here. You can tell. It's sort of like a, it's a tourist industry, right? It's made entirely by essentially long road truckers coming in and out. But people seem to be doing fairly well. You don't encounter any abject poverty. Okay, it's prosperous. You, would, you wouldn't probably call it middle class. There is nothing out here, even a tenth as opulent as Chester's house. Chester clearly has as much wealth as maybe the whole town mm. combined. Is his title, is he the mayor? I mean, does he have a title like that? He is the mayor. He's also an official mm -hmm. paladin. Basically, a military officer. Should we try the cottage first and see if Melbourne is home, or or do you want to check out the town? No, let's let's go ahead and go to Melbourne's. Okay. So yeah, you you step up to this cottage. There's a shrine. You can knock. An an old man opens the door. He's kind of covered in grease, like he's clearly a still apparently works on the lock, and uh, he has a pair of like coveralls on, and says, "Ah, welcome." Uh, what can I do for you folks today? Are you here to pay homage to Divine Hammer? You are Melbourne Grace Street? Yes, I am. It is a pleasure to meet you. This is Zurus and Creedon, and my name is Boulaine, and this is Sadie, and we <clears throat> were sent to ask you about the possible contention going on between the two locks uh, and the banditry. Come on in. I don't have a lot of seating places, but... We will make do. You step into the cottage. What's what's our passive perceptions? Ten. I have been underscoring mine a little bit. I am a 14. <laughs> I've, been, I've been saying it's 12, but... <laughs> 10 for me as well. This is like the first time ever I haven't taken perception <laughs> skill. You step in. This place has lock operator written mm -hmm. all over it. Like there's gears, there's oil, there's tools... It also has a, a very small kitchen and a very small sleeping space. And you notice that there is a trap door. Boulaine is the only one who notices that there is a, a trap door to some kind mm. of cellar in the kitchen. There's like a rug partially over it. So it seems like being a lock operator is a very skilled job then. It appears to be, yes. So have a seat, have a seat. Don't mind the tools. Sit at the table. Here's the deal. Running a lock is a complicated thing. Not just anybody can do it. Not only that, but it takes a special kind of person to also ensure that you don't have bandit problems along the lock. So my niece, Kaima, is the chief engineer. Let's just say she doesn't do a lot of work on the lock. Her friends call her Kaima the Axe because she's really good with an axe. Sounds like perhaps she should be chief of security. Bed. Well, in a way, she is chief of security. So this situation's a bit of a problem. Between the North Lock and the South Lock, there's just open river and swampland. 
Nothing's set up shop there in a long time. There's really no reason to stop. So someone has put together a full-scale banditry operation. They've put together some sort of coordinated unit. They clearly have some sort of base of operations that we can't find. This is a professional job. Someone is funded. That's a real big problem, because it could mean any number of things. It could be that the South Lock has decided that it doesn't like how much money it's making. And so it's pushing for a greater share of the lock fees. It could also be that a third party has decided that uh, they would like in on this two-party situation around the lock. That would also be pretty unacceptable, frankly, to both the North and the South lock. And as far as I can tell, everybody, including the merchants and the coin lords and both sides of the lock, are paying Chester to get his act together and solve this problem. What are your thoughts on Chester? Chester has ensured that the city runs like a finely tuned lock for a hundred years. Literally nothing happens in the city he doesn't know about. How so? Does he have spies about the city or something? All wealth in this city is a bit of a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid is Chester. So this is a trickle-up economy. <laughs> Everybody who wants things to go well pays Chester a cut. And when you pay Chester a cut, everything goes well. Or at least it did until six weeks ago. Which is a big change of uh, pace, frankly. Everybody's very concerned about it. Have you been on one of the vessels that's been accosted? No, they seem to only be hitting the large boats, the trade boats. They seem to be leaving the fishermen alone, and I travel between docks on a little fishing boat. Mm. Uh, do you know of anyone that has encountered these ruffians? Yes, actually. At most inns, you'll find people who don't want to travel back, or are waiting for Chester to solve the problem. The warehouses are full, honestly. We're... This is bad for business. No one wants to risk it. But if you pop into any inn, you'll find someone who's had a face-to-face. -face. Everything is bottlenecking here, is what you're saying. Yeah. Who's responsible for the warehouses? Each warehouse has a different owner. The main one for this part of the lock is run by Kaima's partner. That is Mary. Mary. Mary Ariski. Are the warehouses being hit? No. No, there's been no no theft in town. I mean, that would be suicide. Has anyone tried to watch movements of these bandits? Where are they getting their food? There have been inquiries. I've made some unofficially. The captains of the guard have made some officially. So this is a bit of a rumor. But it would seem that there's a schism in the local militia. There are some people who think that this maneuver is a good thing, that it'll topple the whole structure here in a positive way. And there are some people who think it's a bad thing that it will topple the whole structure here in a negative way. And the guard seems split on this. So investigations have gone poorly, but I can tell you I have found one lead. There's a person in town who runs a small knick-knack shop. Some of the stolen goods seem to have shown up for sale there. So that would be Birdie. Birdie? So if you head over to Birdie's Goods, you might get Birdie to talk. But here's, here's the thing. That schism in the guard is real dangerous. Somebody's protecting Birdie. So watch yourself. Good advice. Thank you for the warning. Where could we find Kaima? Probably at the lock. Maybe in the lock house. It depends on the time of day. She's not usually like a real lock operator. Elaine looks at Creedon and Zerus and says... Maybe we should take her for a drink. I think we should. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. If she's the axe, how has she not gotten into a scrap on one of the boats with these bandits? Does she tend to stay at the lock? I mean, if she's serving as security, why hasn't she been on one of the big boats and, and fought the bandits? You're pushing me into a gray area of the law. So just between you and me, Kaima's not the head of security for boats. If someone were to not pay the fee, Kaima would ensure things fell off their boat. Uh. And if anyone threatens those boats <laughs> who did pay the fee, Kaima would ensure that they never do that again. So she doesn't ride on the boats. 
She has gone out looking for this gullwing bandit, but she's come up empty-handed, just like the city guard. Huh. And hasn't thought to ride on one of the boats. Genius. <laughs> okay. Kaima's not a sailor. Kaima's a fighter. And yet she sails around on boats looking for these people. I guess you can see why it didn't go well. Mm. Well, thank you for your information. I think we have a couple of things we want to follow up on in town. Definitely. Let me know if I can be of help. Keeping the peace in this place is difficult sometimes. It's very important that we achieve it, huh? Of course. Opens the door to let you out. I walk out. <laughs> so as we walk out, and are we heading to the town or to the lockhouse? I mean, let's step out and just have a huddle. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there's a couple of options here. Definitely we should talk to Birdie, it sounds like, but be careful talking to Birdie. We should definitely try to talk to somebody that has encountered these bandits. It seems like if we want to encounter the bandits, the best thing we could do is hire ourselves onto a boat crew as protection. Yeah, and I suspect that at some point we will definitely need to get face-to-face -face with these people because I don't think anybody's going to openly tell us that they are in leagues with them. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely on the find a large boat to protect plan. Mm. My thought is to get off the boat and a little before the the rapids mm. and be on shore when the boat is assaulted. I was thinking perhaps we could also follow behind in a fishing boat or something, not actually on the boat that gets attacked. So maybe we can be in a slightly more advantageous position. Be a little surreptitious to follow them, maybe. <laughs> I don't actually want to be robbed. So perhaps we could find some of these boat crews that are holed up here waiting for this to resolve itself. And we could work out a plan with them. All right. I like that idea. Should we stir up things with Birdie or should we leave that till we get back? Before we hop on a boat, I at minimum want to speak with somebody that has interacted with these people before. Just to have... Some idea of what what kind of heat they're bringing. Maybe we should find Mary yes. then. I mean, she'll probably know of a crew to anxious to head that way. Also, I agree. Okay, we're gonna go find Mary. All right, you head across the street to the the lock operator's lodge. Essentially, this is a large office structure. It smells of oil everywhere. It's covered in tools and gears. As you step in, it's loud. There are people constantly working on things. There's a bunch of people here working, and when you walk in, a woman comes sort of striding up to you. She seems to be in her early 40s, maybe. She's burly, has a big scar on her arm, and is not dressed like she's working. There's no oil on her hands. And she says, hey, what do you guys want? Is she armed? Yes. Mm. There is a hand axe on her back. I'll show her the writ. She reads the writ, looks at you. It says, cool, so what do you want? Information about what we may be up against? It sounds like we have aims that are aligned. So you're going to go after this gullwing bandit, right? That's the idea. Yes. Great. All right, come on. Let me take you to Mary. Wait, who are you? <laughs> Kaima. Oh, this is Kaima. Okay, I, make, I thought that this was Mary. <laughs> good no, the bruiser found you before <laughs> Mary did. So Kaima takes you up a flight of stairs to the second floor, opens a door, and you step into a really nice office. There's all kinds of perfumes and stuff from around the world, just sort of on some shelves. She's got a nice desk. There's a there's a couch for lounging. And you see a, a woman that you assume is Mary, probably in her late 30s, looks up and says, So, visitors, Kaima, uh, anything you want to offer? And Kaima says, they're going after the bandit. And she says, oh, good. Please, come in. How can I help? Well, we think that we will need, well, a possible bait ship of some kind to, to lure these folks out. But we also want any information we can get on who the bandits are, what their numbers are. Do, what, what do you know about the ships that have been attacked and, and the attackers? Specifically, anyone who's been in one of these encounters. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely point you at someone who's been in one of these encounters. I could find you empty ship that belongs to the Lockmaster's Guild. We could even load it full of empty crates if you want. These are all options. She pulls out a piece of paper and writes down a couple names and says, if you head out to the pub, these are the guards on the last shipment where a man was killed. Mm. It seems like a weighty risk 
of a boat, a rather expensive boat, to let us send out a decoy, who would be footing the bill for that? I would be footing the bill for that. But truthfully, at the end of the day, Chester would be fitting the bill for I that. I see. I think he can afford he it. He does seem to be a dwarf of means. Yeah, I take it you've met Chester. We have. Man likes his money. It appears so. I suppose who doesn't? Do you find any other information so far that you could you could pass my way or Kaima's way? The only other person we've spoken to has been your uncle Melbourne. Kaima's um, uncle Melbourne. No, yeah, well, I call him uncle too. Uncle Melbourne's been around a long time. He was the chief maintenance officer for the lock for 45, 50 years. Hmm. Have these individuals been a part of an attack? You said they were on the same boat as the as the death. It, reports are a little iffy here. The, the best story I hear is basically these canoes sort of appear out of a fog. And in the blink of an eye, the gullwing banded to support the ship with a glistening bow of silver. And every once in a while, a guard attacks him, and in the blink of an eye, he's gone. And then they're usually shot with an arrow, and that seems to put an end to the situation. People pass the goods off to the canoes, and away they go. Right now, the only people going through are the people who can afford to lose three or four canoes worth of stuff. That is all. Three or, three or four canoes. That's how many they have when they hit a boat, yeah. No one has been able to touch this, this going bandit, then, it seems. Smells illusory to me. I am smelling magic suspicion here. I don't know Jack about magic. It is a human man? It seems to be. He wears a, you know, a bandana over his face, but... Classic. Boulaine looks at Kaima and says, if we were to go on one of these boats to lure them out, would you want to come with us? Kaima smiles, and Mary says, no, she would not. <laughs> Is that for a business reason or a personal reason? Kaima is second in command, and I prefer when they stay here. And Kaima says, yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. I will stay here like a good citizen of uh, High Lock who handled, manages the lock. And she kind of gives you this exaggerated wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> do we still want to invite Kaima to get a drink with us? Yes, yes. we do. Kaimo, you said you had the name of a crew, this crew who had the death. Would you be willing to come with us and make the introduction? Yeah, absolutely. Let me introduce you. <laughs> one one more question while we're in these quarters and not in a broader audience. Where can we find a small crew for this excursion that we can trust? Or is it best to just keep the nature of this excursion in this room? Mary says, I could find you a small crew, skilled at sailing, maybe at fighting. But with tight lips that no one knows this is a decoy. Well, that definitely limits the number of people, but I would be sending lock operators with you. Some of the men from downstairs. So completely trustworthy is what you're saying? Or, like I was asking, do we need to keep this in this room? The men downstairs would never double-cross me. Can I do an insight check on her? I also want to do an insane. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I'm going to roll my good dice. I'm rolling well. That's a 20, 21. Nine. Yeah, that had a real Godfather uh -huh. vibe to it. You're pretty sure that these are some shady people. In the room with us now. <laughs> and there would be lethal consequences if they messed with mm. Mary. Kaima seems pretty sus yeah. to me. <laughs> well, I'm actually curious about mary's intentions too like is she actually wanting to find an end to these bandits i mean i rolled a 21 let me roll my dice over <laughs> here mary's difficult mm -hmm. to read the impression you're getting is mary wants this solved she has people who she believes are loyal to her and she's willing to spend time and money to get it solved <laughs> you're definitely picking up with your role, there's a whole culture here mm -hmm. that you are not on the inside of, and she's not inviting you on right the inside okay. of. And that is the end of our show today. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson at My Pet Machine for our tunes, and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. 
We continue with Hylock, originally inspired by Troy Christensen next week. Will our heroes root out corruption? Or just pick a side? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.